Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition. I'm going to call this an emergency edition. We're going to clickbait the shit out of you today with the titles of these, but the Wild Man Revolution. Um, I've got a guest I've had on earlier in the podcast, but before we get into that, I'm going to let him sit there waiting and let the listeners hang. I am pumped up. I am fired up today. It is the world is getting crazier and crazier and crazier, and it just instills to me what such a big mission I've got, not only highlighting to the world that there are amazing men or amazing people doing great things in the world as part of this wild man revolution, but it's highlighted to me that um, I have a really, really big job at hand too with all the other things I'm doing, and I would really, really love you guys to check me out on my social medias, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, Insta, all the links will be below. Um, and if you're listening into this, um, I'm across all listening platforms for podcasts, Apple and Spotify, the like. And also, if you're more of a visual person like myself, um, and in this one too, there are going to be plenty of visuals, um, check out my channel on our YouTube. The link will be below as well. And as I said, I'm super freaking fired up. I've um, spent my morning going... <laughs> Had some great meetings um, relative actually to what this, this podcast is about. I haven't even mentioned what this is about yet, but I had to go to the gym this morning. First time back in my gym for a while, just by personal choice. I generally train at home, but they've got a great recovery um, set up there. They've got a magnesium pool. They've got a sauna. They've got ice baths. It's really, really cool. So I went for a 5K run there, really got the, the blood pumping and really tuned into my emotions, which I'm really big on because I have had a lot of triggers come up this last week. Um but I, I went in there with the intention to calm my nervous system down, which is really, really important for the work I do. Um, I might come across fired up, angry, or even having some rage, and I'm definitely feeling the same, but I, I understand the importance of, of calming my nervous system down. So with this express rage or anger or emotion, it's coming not from a scattered, chaotic place. It's coming from a place where it's like, hey, hitting the point. Because our anger, our rage as men, as, as humans, it's actually a fucking gift. And it, it helps me, it, it, it helps me really, really land my message in an assertive way. It, it, it's, it's me and my power. Now, a lot of men in the world I see who this anger, this rage has been shamed for so long. This anger, this rage is frowned upon by society. But see, part of my mission is to say, fuck you to that social conditioning. We need to learn in a healthy way and understand and build that connection with our body that that by by really embracing this and and not judging this this energy it's powerful energy and learning how to to work with it getting guidance around this like i say i use the example of what i did this morning when i was super triggered and i've had a lot of things come up um i went straight to the recovery i went to calm my nervous system down like sauna ice bath sauna ice bath like 15 minute, five minute intervals, all the ladies in the um, the recovery room are doing 45 seconds to celebrate. And I was like logged in there for five minutes, but it was all with the intention to calm my nervous system down. And you can probably feel, hear, see. Now I'm still pretty pumped and it's still the same energy, but I've felt into it and I'm ready to express it. And I really encourage anyone out there who's listening into this. What changes the world right now? This, this wild man revolution is unleashing this fucking wild is unleashing this power. This is actually our power. And I'm not saying the unhealthy anger or the rage, but expressing it in a healthy way. And this is an outlet for me. This, this podcast and what I do in the world is an outlet, but it's an outlet to be able to inspire, motivate, move, fire the fuck up, anyone and everyone 
to be a part of this revolution and beyond because what we're doing now is setting this up not it's not just about us in this this reality this next five years this next 10 years this next 20 years it's it's fucking legacy stuff it's for our kids it's for future generations and we have been gifted this opportunity right now to really embrace the power of our energy that we have it is our god-given gifts work with it bring it to life love it fucking own it be in our power and, and and this is what we make a difference with now and this is what the powers that think they're in charge of us if you want to call them the elites and all this they don't want us to tap into this so without further ado probably not as fired up as I was going to get, but I've, I've got a returning guest and I, I couldn't get um, Luke Mikic back on soon enough. We've been chatting a lot and he's, he's done a lot in the field since our earlier episode, breaking down the cycles within cycles and, and Bitcoin and lots and lots of financial structures and the implosion of many and what's going on with that. Um, but we've been chatting. We really wanted to bring one, which is so relevant right now. That's why this is an emergency podcast. This is going to be focused on Bitcoin. The solution Bitcoin is the more I dive into this, not even as a rabbit hole anymore, because it's all coming to the surface. You don't have to look far. It's on the mainstream media now. Tucker Carlson's pumping crypto, all these sorts of things. It's here now, but we have to get a part of this right now. And I'm not just talking about buy low, sell high. No, there's more to this. So I'm going to I'm gonna bring Luke on. Um, he's going to run the show. There's going to be some great visuals Again, um, he's ticked some big goals since we last chatted, I think, back in September. Um, I, I would love to hear um, more about um, what you've accomplished and what you've achieved and what you're doing now, mate. And then the floor is all yours. Steve, oh, thank, thank you so much for having me on, brother. Uh, that was uh, that was an amazing intro. I, I, I always try to bring the fire, but I don't think I'm going to be able to outdo out you in this one, mate. But, um, yeah, there's so many different threads I can pull on in that intro. I think you touched on there. It's such an opportunity uh, to kind of build a legacy right now in the 2020s. A lot of people, we're all kind of suffering from recency bias and a lot of people don't understand that the really crucial point we stand in history, like we are on the precipice of a revolution. Um, and I think we're also on the precipice of watching a new money be adopted by the world. And obviously that is Bitcoin. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. I still think if Bitcoin does take over the world, there's still a 1000x left in Bitcoin. People think it's late. People look at the price and they say, hey, look, Luke, at 70,000 Australian dollars, I've missed Bitcoin. I don't think you have. And when less than 1% of the world has bought Bitcoin, um, and if it's going to be the money and the savings account for the rest of the world, that kind of implies that it's it's only 1% of the way to its true value. So that's where that 1,000x potential uh, is, is still left in Bitcoin. But I just had to get that off my chest when you were talking yeah. about the opportunity, because there is still such a massive opportunity for you to build a legacy, be on the right side of history for where you stand when it comes to medical tyranny. But then there's also a massive opportunity for you to set up a legacy for you and your family and future generations by adopting Bitcoin when it's still so early in its monetization phase, because obviously the way I look at it and the way I talk to beginners today is every dollar you put into Bitcoin today, I think it's going to be worth a thousand dollars by the time we transition to a Bitcoin standard. But we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that later. Um, I'm sure Steve, we will, mate. <laughs> firstly, thank you so much for having me on again, mate. I'm really excited to jump in and do part two with you. Yeah, mate. I had to get you on, like I said, when we were chatting and like, let's, let's get one out right now. Cause I, I really feel um, with what's happening in the world, this, this rushed part of this agenda People have been thinking it's been medical tyranny. It's just one of the 
one of the the ways they've been pushing us into this digital society where they control it. Um, and I think that's a, a big thing. I'm like, well, people actually need to know this now. I was sharing with you just before we hit record. I've been sharing my drive, my tribe about this. And a lot of people are switching off for this because I've been like, hey, you guys have got to get your fucking act together right now and just get educated. Get yourself placed. It's not about like putting all your money into something. It's about get educated on this now. And one of the intentions is this is you're going to bring some really solid, grounded, simple to understand education um, from your experience. And I'd love to hear, like I say, again, man, you're like researching, writing for some big, big networks right now in the space. And you weren't doing that like when we were chatting like a few months ago. So tell us a little bit more about what you're doing there um, and then get stuck in, man. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I, re I really, really hate shilling my own shit. I feel uncomfortable and awkward and I weird. Said doing right, it, man. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I've been writing a few articles. Um, I've got one of my articles published in uh, a media a media site that has like over a million uh, readers and followers. So that's Bitcoin Magazine. Um, so that was pretty fun. Uh, I love talking about Bitcoin. I love writing about Bitcoin. Um, and then also I've kind of recently landed a full-time gig uh, writing and researching for a pretty large YouTube channel. Nothing's official yet and nothing's been said publicly yet, but um, I, I've been I've been having lots of fun. So all your listeners on the Wildman Revolution get the inside scoop on that one. Um, so, so that's been pretty fun. I've been nice and busy. And obviously, if I get to talk about Bitcoin and write about Bitcoin, that's my dream job. I love it. Do you know what I love about this? Some of my guests don't realise I'm going to put them on the spot sometimes and well done for being vulnerable there, man. And um, you're not shilling your own shit. Be fucking proud because at the end of the day, the premise of this highlighting, like men in their different genius zones doing great things in the world. And I think you're doing an amazing, amazing job and you're, you're like, you're kicking some massive goals. And I think it's like this, 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 what would you say, this quickening, of the energy of the world and how things are going. I think your journey has been quickening too. Um, so watch this space with Luke, with the research he's doing, with the not only the articles he's writing, but the big moves he's making going forward. Um, I think you're going to see him a lot, lot more, and I will definitely be sharing all his shit. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it, brother. Yeah, it's just it's very surreal for a bogan like me to be getting the opportunities I'm getting. But I suppose it's a lesson for anyone out there. Like I'm literally just a 24 year old bogan. Um, if you go out there and, you know, if you, um, we're moving to a society that's based upon meritocracy. So it's all about the actual value of the ideas and the work that you produce. You're going to get rewarded for that. We're moving away from a society that's based upon all these, we in the Bitcoin space call them fiat credentials. So I think gone are the days of, people who, you know, have been in politics for 40 years yield all the power. I think we're moving to a society where it's more based on proof of work, uh, which is more getting into Bitcoin a little bit yep. later. But yeah, just get out there and do the work. Um, get, get out there and like, if you've got something to say, start a podcast. If you've got something to say, write it down and, and you know, just you could be surprised about the opportunities that might come your way. So yeah, definitely don't self-sabotage yourself if anyone's listening in and they feel like they have something to say in such a, such a unique time in history, uh, blurt it out, speak your truth. Absolutely, man. Fucking love it. Proof Let's, of work. People are scared of that word work, I reckon. And I think that's why I like Bitcoin more than the, the proof of stake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could, we could definitely get into that. Um, definitely. Keep going, man. Like I say, the floor is yours. Rock it out. Otherwise, I will take an hour. We're going to keep this one shorter than our three-hour version early on, guys, because 
we're going to get straight into it. Let's do it. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Bitcoin price action. Um, so I think the last time we were on uh, was probably about three months ago. And I think Bitcoin price is the first thing that captures everybody's eyes and minds and thought process. So for anyone listening in on the podcasting platforms, this is where you want to jump over to the Wild Man Revolution podcast on YouTube because we're looking at some charts on screen. And I, so we were talking uh, probably what, three months ago, and that was probably in here, September, September kind of range. Um, And I think at the time, a lot of people were very bearish on Bitcoin. A lot of people were saying, hey, look, Bitcoin's topped out. It's time for it to have another 85% correction. Um, this could be a good chance to kind of educate people about what Bitcoin does and what it is and why it's very volatile. So on the screen, we're looking at a 12-year chart of Bitcoin. I have four green arrows on the chart and I also have three red arrows on the chart. Um, and essentially, it's just showing how Bitcoin moves in these four-year cycles. Um, so you can see that Bitcoin goes parabolic for two years and then it has a big correction goes parabolic for a few years and it has a big correction you guys can see what's going on and this kind of all ties into the bitcoin halving and how it's actually produced and how it's released into the world so that's got to do with these uh vertical lines that i've got on the screen so you can see every four years bitcoin has a supply halving For anyone new who's tuning in and didn't catch our part one, Bitcoin has a a limited amount of coins. There's only going to be 21 million coins ever produced. And that's what makes it really, really valuable. And that's that, that capped monetary policy is what's the beautiful thing about it. And the way Bitcoin achieves that 21 million coins is there's only a certain amount released every four years. So every four years, you can see, which I've got in the vertical green lines, um, the amount of Bitcoins that comes onto the network gets cut in half. When you cut the supply of something in half and the demand stays the same, the price is naturally going to go up. So you can see that by the green arrows I've got that happen every single time after a Bitcoin four-year halving. So, and you can see that generally, after Bitcoin goes up on one of these really big crazy runs, it has a big correction. So in 2012, you can see Bitcoin corrected 95% after running all the way up to $30, crashed down to $1. Same thing happened in 2013 after the 2012 halving. Bitcoin ran up to $1,300, had a large 80% correction down to $150. So again, notice the size of those corrections, 95%, 85%. And the same thing happened in 2017, where Bitcoin quote unquote crashed from $20,000 down to $3,000. Um, but notice each time after it has these crashes, it's setting a base that's higher than it was previously. So you can see in 2012, it quote unquote crashed all the way down to like $2, Um, When it crashed again four years later, it crashed to a much higher level, $200. And then in 2016, when it crashed again, it crashed to an even higher level, $3,000. So the point of that whole tangent and ramble was the last time Steve and I were recording, a lot of people were saying, that's it, that's it. Bitcoin topped at 
you know, 80,000 Australian dollars, it's going to crash again 85%. And we were pretty adamant that that wasn't the case. And we we're pretty adamant that Bitcoin was going to continue in this bull market to much, much higher prices. And that's what it looks like it's doing at the moment. It looks as if it's ready to take off and continue this uh, bull market that Bitcoin is in. Yeah, cool. One thing I've noticed, and it's, it's been really, really interesting, I keep an eye on these cycles and everything and um, the movements in the months and some of these corrections have actually been really, really similar for dates and everything. And um, what I've noticed about this bull run and this December, we haven't had the huge, huge pump at the end of November and then the end of December. I'm not going to say we're not going to get anything towards this end of the month, but I actually see this as a healthy thing and showing that this bull market is is prolonged and probably prolonged by a lot longer because we've sort of extended out. There's more institutional money in, there's more adoption, um, there's so much more in and also the upgrades to Bitcoin and these sorts of things. I keep telling people right now, a lot of people are thinking, well, we're done. Like we've gone down again. We're in the, the what, 70 odd thousand or 68,000 Australian dollars. Um, but no, I, I see this is such a healthy thing. And I know you're going to get into some more different on-chain data and everything later to sort of back that up but i just wanted to mention that early on um it's a good thing when this happens when we break a a, a cycle like that um instead of just following because if it was just predictable like <laughs> if you're an investor it's like oh wait on this time we're gonna pump in december yeah so that <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's the really interesting thing. And a lot of people are scratching their heads like what's going on with Bitcoin? Because each of these tops that we were just talking about, whether it's 2013 or, uh, you know, 2012 and 2017, generally Bitcoin tops around December or January. And that's because uh, I, I think in the US, uh, they, they, that's where their, their financial year ends in December. So a lot of people take profits towards the end of that um, that time frame, and it, and Bitcoin normally tops something like eighteen months after each halving. So again, we're talking about the halving. That's what happens on those green vertical lines that we're looking at on the chart. Um, that's just how Bitcoin operates. It's a beautiful mechanical thing, but this time it looks different. What's up with Bitcoin? Why is it not rallying in November and December? It looks as if the bull market's going to go for longer. And that's because I think I think the four-year cycle model is breaking. So this kind of, you know, this two-year bull market, two-year bear market, I think the cycle is fundamentally breaking because, like you said, Steve, there's these institutions and corporations that are now coming in to buy Bitcoin and you've even got countries coming in to buy Bitcoin. Like recently, you, you saw in, uh, El Salvador make Bitcoin legal tender. They were the first country to make Bitcoin uh, legal tender. For anyone who doesn't know what that means, that means every single shop in El Salvador has to accept Bitcoin. You want to go buy a pizza from Pizza Hut? Guess what? You buy it with Bitcoin. They have to accept it. You want to go buy a Starbucks coffee from, from Starbucks, one of the largest franchises around the world? You, buy, you pay for your coffee with Bitcoin. And the same with McDonald's. Every single um, company in El Salvador accepts Bitcoin. That's what legal tender means. So El Salvador became the first. Um, and recently, El Salvador continues to buy Bitcoin. Every single dip, the president of El Salvador gets on Twitter and he tweets, I just bought the dip with another $100 million. It's um, the best, eh? It's like, it's so awesome because yeah, you get the context of that. You take yourself out of the, and you look from that worldview, a country, 
the president of a country is tweeting about this stuff and he's pumped and they get it. This is the thing. These countries that have been third world countries, they see Bitcoin as a solution to not only take them out of that status, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous thing, but to free themselves, to free themselves from all these systems and structures that have had so much control over the world matters for so long. And they, they see that and they're the ones taking the lead, which I think is like epic. They're the ones with the balls. They've got nothing to lose. And I think there's something you guys can take from that too on a personal level. Like that's, that's how you get ahead in life. You're like, all right, I'm going to throw caution to the wind. I see a solution here. Maybe there's some more integration or more some layers that have to come in or anything like that, but I'm going to be the first. I'm going to be one of the first. I'm going to take this on. And oh, I'm so happy for that country and, and the, the lead they've taken. It, it's really stuck it up to a lot of the, um, the IMF and all these sorts of um, <laughs> things too, which I think is, is great. It's amazing to see. Um, and it is going to be these countries that have the least to lose that are yeah. probably going to adopt Bitcoin first. And that's kind of what we're seeing. Like after El Salvador uh, made Bitcoin legal tender, we've seen an absolute flurry of these smaller countries come out and try to push through Bitcoin-related bills. Like the, the, in the two weeks after Bitcoin made it legal tender and it all went successfully, they didn't get bombed from the IMF or the World Economic Forum yet. Uh, Ukraine pushed through a bill saying that they're going to um, make Bitcoin tax legislation easier. We also saw the same thing in Panama they pushed a Bitcoin and crypto bill through. Um, and then recently this week, Paraguay, they're talking about pushing Bitcoin um, legal tender bill through parliament that they're going to vote on shortly. And the same thing in Brazil, a, a very similar bill and legislation was drafted there and pushed through. So this is all countries in like Latin America. Um, and it's very, there's very good to see. Tens of millions of people over there, hundreds of millions. For that, I, there's... Australia is little. This is what people, a lot of the listeners at the moment to this are Aussies and Kiwis and stuff like that. You've got to understand we're very, very small in the scheme of things for numbers of people. So this is a this is a big deal when whole countries that are dwarf us for the amount of people are taking this on as legal tender. This is a huge, huge deal. And the timing of this, again, going back to the cycles and everything, this is one of the big reasons why I believe this is such a big prolonged you call it a super cycle where I think yes. like what you're saying, it's just breaking the cycle now and it's going to set its own new trend. And that's what I really see is unfolding here. Um, that's yeah. I, I 110% agree. Uh, like uh, just for reference as well, like Australia is we what 25 million uh, people. So very yeah. small population somewhere like Nigeria has over 200, 200 million people. And over 30% of those people are using Bitcoin in Nigeria. Adoption is massive over there, absolutely yep. massive. Yep. Um, and a lot of people in the Western world don't see that. Um, they just see the bad headlines coming out on the mainstream propaganda. News. Propaganda, FUD. Yep. That's, yep. that's the only way when I saw a lot when the El Salvador things, it was the propaganda that went hard on them, the, the propaganda so they could just get this consensus from um, populations to say, no, this is a bad move, this is this. But when that propaganda doesn't work, and again, that's why I love, and I know the El Salvador president is doing that with, when he tweets, it's tongue in cheek. It's like, come on, write something bad about this. Come on, what, what bad news have you got about this? Because it's, it's really there. It's not their only weapon, but it's their main weapon when it comes to this stuff. Like you look and go back to, to May, like the China stuff, the mining stuff. Oh, it was all fun, all news, 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 news. What's happened after that? That sector's moved out of China and got stronger and more efficient than ever. <laughs> yeah. So 
we're, we're, oh, there will be a day, people, when this news propaganda is a thing of the past. There's always going to be some sort of influence from it, but the controlling mechanisms, powers that run these sorts of things, that will implode. If we stick at what we're doing and these systems and everything collapse, but the solutions are implemented. And again, this is, a, this is the topic at hand here is like Bitcoin is a solution. If you really, really dig into it, it is a solution for what, what when all these systems and that crumble, it's not the central bank coins, and we'll get to that probably soon. Bitcoin's a solution. If you if you don't like the, the propaganda of the government and you're like sort of taking half a red pill or whatever, no one's awake yet. We've still got a, a long way to go. But if you're like, well, what's the solution? Listen in, take note. Yeah, Bitcoin is the red pill. Um, Bitcoin is the separation of money and state. And what that means to people tuning in is we have never, ever, ever had a form of money that is not controlled by rulers. Okay, we've always had a form of money that's been able to be co-opted and uh, used to the benefit of the wealthy or the rich. So it's always been gold or the paper money today that they can just print out of thin air. They, they're always being able to manipulate the money and, you know, set up the financial system in a way that benefits the 1% or the rich at the expense of the poor. And Bitcoin's this really radical invention where nobody can actually control it. Nobody can stop any Bitcoin transactions. Nobody can seize any of your Bitcoin transactions. Nobody can print any more Bitcoins. There's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoins. Nobody can manipulate the money supply. And that's a really radical transformation or invention or discovery as we like to call it in the bitcoin space and that's why we call it the separation of money and state because uh through five thousand years of monetary history we've never actually been able to do that and bitcoin's the first thing in human history that gives us the opportunity to do it and it's you know there's a lot of parallels in history as well um, there was actually a thing called the separation of church and state back in the 1500s. And it was really weird. Before the 1500s, um, everybody kind of believed in the church and they believed in religion and everything they were told, um, it was kind of passed down, top down by the church. At the time, there were no books. There were no Bibles. Everybody had to get the information and the Bible translated to them from the church. And this really weird and innocuous kind of technology called the printing press actually single-handedly separated church and state. Um, there was this dude called Martin Luther who just went and um, essentially transcribed all the Bibles and um, wrote the Bible text um, in books and distributed it around the world. And this broke the monopoly on information that uh, the church had. So th this led to the separation of church and state. Um, and I think big, and obviously that led to the modern day, Ren the Renaissance and the enlightenment in the 1500s and the 1600s. Um, and I think Bitcoin's going to do a very similar thing that the printing press did nearly 500 years ago. Um, it created a revolution in the 1500s. Um, it empowered the individual and it took power away from these centralized, uh, you know, monarchies and these centralized institutions in today's in today's world. That was a little bit of a rabbit hole and a tangent on the side there. but It's a good rabbit hole and tangent. And guys, if you want to dive deeper into that one, I know you touched on where that played the part in the cycles and everything in our earlier podcast. So yeah. go back to podcast number two, Pete, and, and suss that out and grab yourself a comfortable seat and um, <laughs> probably some snacks and 
get ready to pause for a couple of toilet breaks for that one because it's three hours <laughs> of absolute value. Yeah, that was definitely a long one. So go and check that one out, guys. Um, but more on topic today, more 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 recent Bitcoin price action and kind of circling back to what you were talking about earlier with the super cycle. Um, I actually agree. I, I think Bitcoin is going to be in a super cycle moving forward. I think all of these cycles are going to break and it's all got to do with the large money coming into Bitcoin. And I think Bitcoin's going to kind of reach a critical mass or an inflection point where adoption actually speeds up. Um, now, this is actually what I kind of wrote my article on that got published in Bitcoin magazine. I was um, essentially making the case for why I think Bitcoin's going to go through a super cycle um, and why the transition to a Bitcoin standard is going to look very different to a lot of people think. Um, and that's because technologies get adopted in these really kind of weird ways, okay? So technologies generally get adopted very slow at first. So I've pulled up a chart here and it's called an S-curve and it essentially just tracks how technologies get adopted. You can see for the first 10 years, it's very, very slow because nobody understands what this new technology is. So it takes a long time for a technology to bootstrap itself. But then you kind of get to this phase where everybody's more familiar with the technology and it kind of reaches this takeoff phase where a lot of people start adopting it very quickly. And then obviously once you get to the end of the technology's adoption life cycle, it flattens off a little bit. So this isn't anything new. We've seen this with all of these previous technologies. Um, whether it be the internet, the smartphones, like mobile phones, or even automobiles, so cars 100 years ago. I've pulled up a chart here, and it just shows this exact same kind of phenomena. You can see with cars, the first 10 years of um, its technology life cycle, it takes a very long time to get to that 10% adoption rate. But when you get to 10%, um, that's generally where the inflection point happens and the rest of the adoption happens very rapidly. Um, so generally the rule of thumb for these technologies is it takes 10 years to get to 10% adoption, but then it takes the same amount of 10 years to go from 10% adoption to 90% adoption. So that's kind of where we are in Bitcoin's life cycle. With, it's been around for 11 or 12 years now. It's, it's you know, approaching, uh, I think it's above 3% adoption globally. But in lots of other countries that are using Bitcoin more prominently, it's actually at 20 to 30% adoption. So Nigeria was an example we talked about earlier. In Turkey, adoption's at like 20%. So Bitcoin's kind of at this really interesting phase where it's been around for 10 years everybody's kind of aware of what Bitcoin is. And now what I think is going to happen is the next five years in particular, a lot of Bitcoin adoption is going to happen and it's going to break all of these models to the upside. Um, and this, the deal that's coming through for me now is like, I, I look at the time period and always with, with this awakening, you want to call it in humanity, we can only awaken as much as, there's like a polarity. You've got the dark stuff, the shadowy stuff and what they're pushing. Um, and you've got Agenda 2030 and stuff like this. At the same time, Bitcoin adoption, the charts reflect exactly in this mass adoption that's unfolding right now is hand in hand. It's like that polar opposite of this big, big push 
that's been pushed forward by Mr. Klaus Swab, your buddy. I know you hang out with him and have coffees and stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, but they they pushed all theirs forward because the more they push this forward, the more technologies like this, solutions like this, actually accelerate in say their adoption as an example of Bitcoin, of their understanding too. Like we, when we're understanding stuff, the more it's in our face. Now we get this with the propaganda and everything. Now, why do you think it's flashed everywhere? Because the quicker it can go into our unconscious, the quicker we have this unconscious understanding or knowing of it. So then it, in that, that's how we behave from that. So the more we take this in, we're available to take in this information quicker. That goes hand in hand with the adoption because we're available, it goes in the unconscious, like, holy shit, this is a solution. Holy shit, this is in my face as much. It's all this is here to support us if you're willing to open up to this. That's the key to all of this. If you're willing to see this as an opportunity right now. Oh, Again, it's, 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 it's not just a buy low, even though 1000X, epic for Bitcoin, it's not just a buy low, sell high, perspective you need on this you need this is the way we're going to function in so many parts of our society so you actually you need that that um the education of this is probably the most important thing right now and the more you can get educated faster the better set you're going to be to function in society i couldn't agree more um there's a really funny meme and it's kind of I might pop it up on screen for anyone who's tuning in, but it's, it's essentially <laughs> saying you don't actually ever need to sell your Bitcoin um, because let's look at El Salvador, for example, like are they selling Bitcoin over there or are they just using it as everyday money? They're using it as everyday money. So yes, you get to um, buy it really early and really low, but you actually never need to sell your Bitcoin. Your savings account is just going to go up 1000 X in purchasing power. Um, so I'll, I'll read the tweet out. I'll read the uh, the quote out anyway. You got a but it's... bunch of awesome memes there. Where's this matrix? You never sell Bitcoin. All right. Yeah, <laughs> there's a few. There's a few really good ones. My tribe's uh, what... gonna get spammed. Yeah, what's this <laughs> fight? Fight club. First rule of Bitcoin: you never sell Bitcoin. But then there's this other one. So what are you telling me, Morpheus? I, I um that I trade my Bitcoin for millions someday? No, Neo. I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to sell your Bitcoin. So that gets back to the point. You get to buy it early, but you never actually really have to sell it because you're just going to be using it one day for everyday goods and services. You're going to be buying your coffee at Starbucks with Bitcoin, like the people in El Salvador are doing. You're going to be yeah. buying a Big Mac from McDonald's with your Bitcoin, like the people well, in El Salvador. None, none of our listeners shop at Starbucks and McDonald's, but... <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Um, but getting back to the other point you're making, that was another tangent. I had to bring that quote up. Um, we, we were talking about... Um, we were talking about innovation and adoption happens as a kind of necessity. The more these people like Klaus Schwab try to clamp down on people and try to take control, the quicker it's waking people up and it's pushing them towards the solution, which is Bitcoin. So, and it's really interesting because as we're transitioning into the digital age and more and more of our lives is transitioning from the analog world to the physical world to the digital world, like just think about that quickly. Everything you're doing is being digitized, whether it was uh, sending emails and letters 20 years ago, now it's all done on email, whether it was listening to an MP3 player, today you do all that on your phone with Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The same thing's going to happen with our money. We physical the days of physical money is over. Um, our value or our money is going to be digitized as well. 
And this is also highlighted by all of these technologies um, that are just being adopted at a quicker and a quicker rate. So this is another one of these charts. And you can see the first, you know, the technologies like the automobile and, the, and electricity 100 years ago, the, the curve was a little bit more sloped over. They were adopted a little bit slower and it took people a longer time to see the value in that technology. But you can see the further along we are on this time scale, the more vertical these charts are, technologies are just getting adopted more rapidly and more rapidly. And that's what Bitcoin is. It's a technology. I think it's going to be adopted really rapidly. And like you said earlier, the more these people um, play their hand and, you know, the more they kind of grasp for control, the more people are going to look for a solution. And obviously that's what Bitcoin is. It's a form of money that has a set rules and there's no rulers. Nobody can change it. Nobody can confiscate uh, Bitcoin out of your Bitcoin wallet because you don't pay a COVID fine. Like that's happening in Australia. You don't pay a COVID fine and they're literally confiscating money out of your bank account. Bitcoin social, fixes social, social credit system. You've yep. been to a servo to fill up and there's some close contact there. You haven't scanned in. Not going to go down that tangent here, but all of a sudden you get a call. Oh, you were checked in your bank account. What? Nothing's private from that stuff anymore. There's so many things. You've been a bad boy or a bad girl. We're just going to take this out because you weren't allowed to do that. And this is the, if you want to go to the shadowy side, I don't know if you want to talk about that now, like with this push and the announcement in Australia of digital currency, or you want to leave that to later? Let's let's touch on it. It popped up. So let's let's, just let's... Keep it simple. Like I knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. We know it's coming. You look at all the other pushes that happened here. What's going on in the last couple of years has been this big push towards the MyGov digital wallet. Yeah, yeah, there's been medical tyranny. There's been this focus on like lockdowns and all this, but it's just to get people ready for what is to come. Good old Josh on screen there. And they yeah. announced it the other day. They're going to see if it's feasible. They've already decided what they're going to do. They're going to go hand in hand, do what their masters tell them to do. It's a central bank coin, social credit system. Australia might try and hide behind it. I've noticed this about the Australian politicians. are very good at NLP. I know now why I did NLP, apart from helping people with their inner stuff and covert um, hypnotic languages, because these motherfuckers, that's how they sell this shit. Unlike Israel that says, yes, we're just bringing in a social credit score system. Australia going to sell this shit. They're going to market this as some new fancy thing. That's, they're going to look at Bitcoin. We're going to take Bitcoin on. Commonwealth Bank's got Bitcoin. Oh, watch out for that one, guys. Um, but they're going to they're place themselves as they're going to be in control of educating Australia on why digital currency is a thing. But they're going to bring it, but you're going to need the MyGov wallet. You're going to yeah. need to link up to the main, one of the main banks that they control, all of them. Um, and you're going to, uh, there's going to be this set of rules with it after they put bells and whistles on it. I, I, I've been telling everyone, they're going to sell this as better than Bitcoin somehow. I don't know how, but they're going to do that. Um, they already are. Yeah. And they just, they're not even in the same world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, for a long time, China's the first country that has this central bank digital currency kind of system set up. So that it, essentially the all cash in China, there's not much cash. Um, and you have to use the money that the government says you're using and they can see every transaction. They track every transaction. They tax every single transaction. As soon as you make it, they can tax it if they want to. And if you do anything bad in there, um, it'll give you what's called a bad social credit score. So if you're not following the rules or if you're not wearing a face diaper or a mask to the shops, 
or if you're not checking in with the QR code, you get a bad social credit score. And what happens in China is they can freeze you and your entire family's bank accounts just because you get a bad social credit score. And they also ban you from leaving. So you can't get in onto planes, you can't get onto trains if you have a bad social credit score and they've switched your bank account off. So they've been playing around and trialing this for the past couple of years in China. And a lot of people like Steve and myself have said, guess what? That's coming to your country and it's coming a day soon. That's what they want. They want more control. They want more trackability and they want to be able to tax you more. Okay. So, and a lot of people like I, I've been pretty adamant since day one. I said, it's not 14 days to flatten the curve. This is the thin edge of the wedge. This is how they're going to, this is a controlled demolition. They're going to bring down the old financial system using COVID as the scapegoat. And what they're going to do is they're going to implement the same system that China has. Um, So obviously uh, the supply chain issues um, and obviously the lockdowns, they're the perfect excuse that uh, governments around the world are using for the soaring inflation. I'm sure you guys have all noticed your grocery bills uh, rising at a rapid rate. That's And the governments have got the perfect excuse. Oh, it was the supply chain interruptions. It was the lockdowns. Um, they And this is all, it's got nothing to do with that. It's all got to do with the money printing and the macroeconomic situation that Steve and I touched on in part one. Um, they're printing a lot of money. They're devaluing the money. And that's how they're paying back their debt. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's always been the play. And I think a lot of people have been distracted by um, COVID. It's a real situation that's been created and whatever you believe about it and all that sort of stuff. But the monetary side has always been there. Like even their fines and that are another way. Now, we only have a certain amount of time, but I'm going to drop some stuff in here right now just to plant a seed for a few people is you talk about tax, tax is voluntary. Interesting. You talk about Look into the ATO. Are they a legal organisation? Rabbit hole for you. Look at the governments and their legal systems. Do they have jurisdiction in our country, Australia? Great rabbit hole for all of you. You give consent to this digital currency stuff, to your banks and everything. You're giving consent to these private corporations that they're not even, they don't even have sovereignty in our country. But we're giving consent. If we start using their digital currency on that, COVID was just another thing to push you more into their control, more into their control. And they just benefit through their foundations and their trust where they've invested in pharmaceutical companies and all this. They're making billions on the way. It's just a byproduct of this. A lot of people are scared that it's like, oh, population control and eugenesis. Yeah, there's an element to that, but they just want more control. They want this utopia where we are slaves and they are up there. They want... They want what's the the movie series called? They want it. Um, oh, not it's really 1984. Cool. No, 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 no. Um, oh goodness. Matrix? Have they? Everyone's living in the pods. They're hooked up to the pods. <laughs> We're getting the there. Metaverse. We're getting there. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, 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 no. What is it? One of the movies is called Catching Fire. Um, oh, can't remember what it is. Really cool. It's a whole trilogy where at the end there's like this utopia society and there's all TV propaganda and um hunger games oh yes 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 that's the elitist version of what they want here they want two levels of society um and the reason i drop this in here and i will have some guests on if we're able to share to public (laughs) (laughs) most of these conversations happen in person 
But I share this because there are solutions to this too. Bitcoin is a huge solution. There are solutions that you could be available for and awake to right now if you choose to, where you don't even have to like place yourself and get educated just with crypto or Bitcoin or digital currencies. The whole entire way you live as society, there are other available options that are coming to the forefront now. I just wanted to share that. There's some great rabbit holes for you people. And um, yeah, I'm probably ex expecting some messages after that. Yeah, here's, here's another rabbit hole uh, for, the, for the listeners. I think we might have touched on this in more detail in part one. But uh, if you doubt that this COVID is being used or exaggerated and the lockdowns are being used and exaggerated for a controlled demolition of the economic system, go and have a look at what the Federal Reserve, the largest central bank around the world, was doing in September of 2019. Three months before there was any lockdown, they were printing hundreds of billions of dollars and they were playing around with the interest rates. The banking system blew up in September of 2019 and the lockdowns, and it, we all know the, the script, what happened three months later. But back to the digital currency, uh, here we go. Every single government around the world is trying to push out one of these central bank digital currencies, which is the exact same thing China is using. And the Australian government came out this week planning a digital currency. And they always love to throw in something negative about Bitcoin as regulation looms for Bitcoin. Sorry, what regulation? How are you going to stop Bitcoin? You can't stop it. Same way you couldn't stop the BitTorrent file sharing platforms where you can download movies illegally online. Bitcoin's the exact same thing. It's a decentralized computer system where there's hundreds of thousands of computers around the world that are running the Bitcoin code. You can't shut it down. Okay. That's, you cannot shut it down. Same way they lost a 30 year war on drugs. They can't shut it down. People want the drugs. People want the free movies and people want a savings account like Bitcoin that can't be stolen from, manipulated or can't have their transactions frozen. Uh, people yes. want it. Some would argue that they um, are a big part of the war on drugs and they're on both sides. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd argue that too. That's a whole nother rabbit hole. But be on the lookout for digital currencies, guys. Uh, they're going to try and frame Bitcoin negatively when they push their Orwellian slave tokens. As Go we back to them. that title for a sec, man, because this is really important for people coming in. This is, this is my specialty in here when I break down clickbaits and how they, they unconsciously suggest things. Like that's like a presupposition. It's sort of distracted by Australian government planning digital currency. That's their, that's their title. That's their heading. And then they drop this, this presupposition like this fear into your unconscious. You see Australian government, digital currency, Bitcoin, regulation, all bad thing. The regulation thing, bad thing goes in your unconscious and it, and it gives it however you're filtering this into your unconscious, into your structural reality through that, Bitcoin is bad. That's, these guys are so smart with their clickbaits, their titles, the way they present things that if you're not aware of this, you're gonna take that into your unconscious. And when it comes down to the choice, they keep hammering this propaganda of this news. They keep saying digital currency on the way. And your bank comes out, we're available. Here we go. Get your tokens, whatever it is. You've got implanted somewhere in your unconscious. Bitcoin is bad. Bitcoin is risky. Bitcoin is for friggin' black market. Whatever these fuckers put in their titles. I just wanted to share that. It's just NLP stuff. They're presupposing things and they're, they're putting some subliminal messaging. It's powerful stuff used in a positive way. 100%. Uh, like they've been learning how to do this for decades. Uh, yeah. Obviously, like the CIA and the NSA, 
uh, what was it? Operation Mockingbird, um, Operation MK Ultra. There's some rabbit holes for people to go and check out. They're well aware of how to use the mainstream media for brainwashing and shit like oh, that. Yeah. So there you go. MK Ultra, Operation Mockingbird. Go and check those out, guys. They've been declassified by the FBI and the NSA, essentially admitting that they are operations they ran on the US citizens. They have to. They have yeah. to admit. They have to tell us what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but earlier, I was kind of throwing out a real wild uh, prediction for Bitcoin, saying that it can still 1,000x. Um, and I thought a lot of people might think that sounds crazy at surface level. So maybe I might walk people through um, how we actually get to that figure um, and show how that happens uh, just before we, we finish up. Because a lot of people underestimate how much money there is in the world. Um, so there is there is a lot of money. Um, and here we're going to take a look at it. So this is how small cryptocurrency is. You can see it's absolutely tiny. It's only three of those little cubes, okay? If you have a look at the amount of actual money there is in the world, it's it's pretty crazy. So gold, there's $12 trillion of gold. There's $90 trillion of money in the stock markets. Remember, Bitcoin's only $1 trillion in size, Okay. All the stock markets in the world are $90 trillion, okay? There's like $100 trillion of money around the world in all sorts of different currencies like the Australian dollar, the US dollar, the euro. Bitcoin's $1 trillion in size, okay? So I bring, if you keep scrolling and have a look at the debt and the size of the real estate market, you can see it's pretty wild. And what's interesting about money through the past 5,000 years is when a better money comes along, it takes all of the value of the previous money that's inferior. You hear it a lot. Money is a winner-take-all game. And whether it was gold coming along and beating seashells or gold versus silver or paper money versus gold today, the new money that comes along kind of sucks in all the value around the world. Um, so that's where all these really crazy numbers for Bitcoin comes in. So here, I've kind of listed all the different markets around the world. There's 100 trillion of currencies. There's 100 trillion of bonds. There's $300 trillion of debt. And if Bitcoin were to win and become the money of the world in every single country, what would happen is all of that value would get sucked into Bitcoin because it's just simply a better form of money. Um, so I did some pretty crazy numbers and some pretty crazy maths. Um, because Bitcoin has that limited amount of coins, Okay, there's only 21 million bitcoins. You can do some maths and say if you know two quadrillion dollars of money, which is all the money in the world, flows into bitcoin because there's only 21 million coins, that means that each coin would be worth 100 million dollars per coin. Simple maths, very easy calculation. And because Bitcoin's still at only like 50 or 60 thousand dollars a coin, that means there's like a 2,000 x left in Bitcoin. So that's kind of where those crazy numbers come from that we were talking about earlier. Um, I think I think a lot of people listening in, when you hear a, a billion dollars or a trillion dollars said, they don't have a concept of that. They don't have a grasp on that. It's a lot of zeros. It is a lot of zeros. And, uh, and then you drop a quadrillion in there and it's just like, yeah, that's out of my expanded awareness. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. This is what 21 million looks like, just for anyone who's tuning in and is curious. That's the um, biggest so calculator I've ever seen. It is a big calculator. <laughs> So when you've got six zeros, that's million. If you chuck another three on, 
that means it's billion. So 21 billion. And then if you chuck another three zeros on again, that takes you to 21 trillion. So that's kind of, that, that's the numbers that's going on. I bet a bunch of the listeners out there would just like six of them zeros with a couple of solid yeah. numbers in front and they'd be more than happy. <laughs> Me too, brother. <laughs> Me too. That'd be great. Um, yeah, so that's that's Bitcoin. I'm really bullish on Bitcoin. I think we're going for a super cycle. Um, and obviously my long-term, um, if anyone wants to go and read the article, I show you why I think Bitcoin's going to be worth um, well over $50 million a coin by 2030. Um and I think it's going to be worth about that long term. Something that's interesting with Bitcoin that's kind of never happened before in Bitcoin's history is we have this thing called the on-chain metrics. So because Bitcoin, you can see every single transaction on the Bitcoin ledger. So all the ledger is, is it shows every single transaction that's ever occurred in Bitcoin's 13-year life. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about Bitcoin. Everybody gets a copy of the blockchain or the ledger and they can see every transaction. They can see that nobody's creating any new Bitcoins or breaking the Bitcoin rules. That's And nobody can change the rules. That's the really important thing about it. And obviously, if you buy Bitcoin anonymously, you can't be tracked on that ledger. That's generally a common concern. If you buy Bitcoin associated with your identity, they can track your transactions on the blockchain. If you buy it anonymously, Bitcoin's anonymous or pseudo-anonymous. But what we've seen for the first 12 years of Bitcoin's life is generally Bitcoins have been sold and they move to the exchanges. So that's what this chart's showing. This is a 12-year chart of the Bitcoin price history. And all these really colorful lines here, that shows coins being moved to exchanges. So like the blue, for example, is talking about Poloniex exchange. The light blue is talking about Coinbase, the green Bitstamp. You guys can see it on the screen. And you can see that for the first 10 years of Bitcoin's life, coins were moving up. This chart was going up. That means coins were being sent to exchanges to be sold. Since March of 2020, something really weird's happened. And you can see that this has actually started to downtrend. This, this figure and coins available for sale on exchanges has been decreasing since March of 2020. That's where the inflection point happened in Bitcoin's life. That's where the Rubicon was crossed. And since March of 2020, 33% of all Bitcoins for sale on exchanges has left exchanges and it's gone to the hands or it's gone to wallets of people who aren't selling their Bitcoin. So I think that's really interesting. This is one of the things that makes me think we're probably in for a super cycle because when the amount of coins on exchanges runs out, how are you going to buy your Bitcoin? It's as simple as that because there's a fixed amount of them. There's 21 million Bitcoins. When people stop selling their Bitcoin, the price of it is going to go up very, very, very high until people Supply want to demand. It. It's so simple. It's it like is. if there's a demand, someone's going to have their selling point and it's going to be higher and it's going to be higher because these people are holding them for whatever reasons they are. And of course, March 2020, what else happened then? <laughs> yeah. So March these... 2020 was when the money printers got turned on in every single country around the world. 
Um, and obviously that woke a lot of people up to hang on. Isn't that when the boogeyman come to Australia? I think it yeah. was. <laughs> yeah, the boogeyman too. I made tyranny, I call him. I made tyranny, the boogeyman. <laughs> yeah, but that woke a lot of people up, March of 2020, where the yeah. lockdowns happened and the money printing around the world happened. Um, for anyone who isn't aware of, you know, what money printing is and, you know, how much money the governments are printing in March of 2020, um, I might just pull up a, um, a, a little chart that tracks the balance sheet of how much money that's being printed. Um, for any people watching, I'm just pulling that one up now. And you can see, in, in yeah, it looks nuts. It looks absolutely nuts. It's, it's, do you know where that would have a place? The last bit of that would go in your technology chart of, a, of adoption or of... Um, yes, <laughs> yes. Parabolic. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of... So this woke a lot of people up to uh, ask the most important question most people don't ask themselves. If they can print money, why do I pay taxes? That's a big question a lot of people need to ask themselves. If they can print money, why are you paying taxes? And obviously, when this happened in 2020 and central banks around the world were printing trillions of dollars, people were like, hang on a minute, I need a form of money that can't be devalued, can't be debased. I need Bitcoin. It has a fixed supply, 21 million coins. Um, and that's kind of where you see this inflection point. March of 2020, people started not sending their Bitcoins to exchanges. People started removing their Bitcoins from exchanges where they can be confiscated and taken. And they started storing their Bitcoins in their private wallets. So since March of 2020, there was 3.3 million coins on exchanges. Today, that number is 33% lower. There's only 2.3 million coins on exchanges left for sale. Have a look at these, have a look at the dips. When when the Bitcoin price, let's just go to recent history there, like this year where we had that big run up earlier in the year. I was going to say, now keep it on that chart. I'm just going to yeah. show the difference of what, yeah. Sorry, man. Oh, yeah, I know what go you mean. Go back to that one. Go back to that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know what you mean. I'll, I'll just pull it? it up. It's around here somewhere. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, I, I just want to show people because I think visuals are great. Um, you have a look how we were peaking up um, in... January, February, March, April, but already we're in that downtrend already. But then when we had that big sell-off, some people, some more Bitcoins come back to the exchanges. Some people are like, oh, we're going to sell some off. Just so that's, that little. that's this really little peak here. That's what yeah. we're talking about. See yeah. that tiny little peak? That's when Bitcoin crashed from 69K down to 29K. Sorry, that's in US dollars. A lot of us are probably Australians. So Bitcoin crashed from 85,000 Australian to about 40,000 Australian. Yeah. And you can see people got a little bit scared. They yep. sent some Bitcoin to the exchange. That's what's highlighted here by this little tiny uptick. But see how small that uptick was? That surprised me a lot. And it didn't change the macro downtrend that's been unfolding for Bitcoin. It's actually, it looks like it's accelerated. A lot of people are sitting there right now and they're like, oh, Bitcoin's correcting. Are we going to go back to 30,000 US? Are we going to go lower? Blah, 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 blah. But that that downtrend has continued actually more rapidly. So people are not selling now. So there's less supply. So that's that tells me where we're sitting today. I'm so confident that this is going to be this huge extended cycle. 
I am so confident just seeing that little visual. Here's another visual of coins leaving exchanges. So when Bitcoin crashed from uh, $65,000 earlier this year, all the way down to 29,000, you can see that a few people got scared. Some of the coins left, um, sorry, some of the coins got sent to exchanges. You can see that with the uptrend there, but you can also see that stopped. That trend only went on between May and July for two months. And since we've seen coins continue to leave exchanges. And like you said, Steve, in the past couple of weeks where Bitcoin's been crashing, so the price is the back with the black line at the top, the price of Bitcoin's been crashing, but coins have been leaving exchanges. That means those coins are going to the hands of, of people who aren't selling their Bitcoin. That's really bullish. Um, it's extremely it, bullish. You, know, you actually don't need any other metric right now. I Like seriously, knowing that for me, and this is what gives me again so much confidence, it's so simple to break this down. You don't need to go into this depth of these charts and have your understanding of that. If you understand supply demand and you only partially get how Bitcoin has been adopted or you see it as a solution for the world, that's all you need to know to trust to hold your Bitcoin or have some Bitcoin. That is all. It's it's very, very <laughs> bullish, mate. And we've seen this before. We saw this four months ago. So remember, we're looking at where Bitcoin crashed at 65,000 and it went all the way down to 30,000. A lot of people were saying, that's it. Bitcoin, it's all over. It's going to 20K. It's going to 10K. This is the 85% correction that's coming. But me and my friends on Twitter, all the Bitcoiners, um, we were saying, no, 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 look, Coins are leaving the exchanges. That's what the purple line is. So you can see price was going lower, um, but coins were um, leaving exchanges, meaning nobody was selling their Bitcoin. And obviously the price of Bitcoin went up since then. And we're seeing the same divergence today. Coin, uh, Bitcoin price is going lower, but nobody's selling anymore. Coins continue to leave exchanges, go into the hands of people who aren't selling. So that's really bullish. And I expect Bitcoin to, like you said, Steve, I think the cycles are going to lengthen out. Um, and I think Bitcoin's going to rally very hard moving into January, February, March, and then April, May of next year. I think it's going to hit at least six figures. I think it's going to go to hundreds of thousands. I agree. And I, I really urge like patience for people out there. I know when I say things, if it's in my tribe and that people expect it to happen overnight, when we say it's going to rally, it doesn't mean it's going to go up by 25% tomorrow. A healthy way that this, this moves, if you want to look at price, everything is that steady, gradual growth in price. Yeah, it's going to have its peaks and troughs. Again, if Bitcoin goes to 100K by next May, that's huge. That's 40%. And I'm talking 100K US. If you're an investor listening to this, just an investor, and you're wanting more than 40% gains, you're probably getting a bit greedy anyway. <laughs> that compared to traditional investments or assets is huge. I couldn't agree more. People need to zoom out more. Like literally yeah. two years ago in 2020, you could have been buying Bitcoin here for $4,000. That's kind of when I started my YouTube channel. I started it when Bitcoin was about eight or $9,000 here. And I was beating the drum. I was like, buy Bitcoin. This is your great chance to buy it while it's so low. And people focus too much on these little short-term corrections. Like, for example, Bitcoin crashed 60% in March of last year. You can see that on the screen here. But what people don't talk about is since then, 
Bitcoin's ran up 700%. Okay, so, and, and the same thing's happening today. Like Bitcoin crashed 55% recently, but what they forget is, hang on a minute, Bitcoin, Bitcoin crashed all the way down to $30,000. You could have been buying it for $3,000 the year before. So yeah. people need to zoom out and they just need to stop focusing on the short-term price action because literally a year ago, Bitcoin was at $5,000, $10,000. You can see that here by the price. It was it was pretty stable there for two or three years. You could have been buying Bitcoin for $5,000 and $10,000 like Steve and myself were telling you to. And now it's at what? It's just chilling out at $50,000. That's a casual 500% on your investment. And people just get caught up on the short-term price movements. They get too caught up and focused on little 20 and 30% corrections, and they forget where Bitcoins come from. Only last year, you could have been buying it for under $10,000 a pop, and we're going to be looking back at this time in 12 months' time. Bitcoin's going to be $300,000, $500,000 a coin, and a lot of people are probably will be regretting that they sold Bitcoin at $50,000 where it is today because of a little 20% correction. You want to buy it, forget about it, and look at the price of Bitcoin in three years' time when it's a lot higher. Yeah, 100%. PS disclaimer, not financial advice, but buy Bitcoin. <laughs> but buy, Bitcoin. <laughs> buy some fucking Bitcoin. Oh, mate, we said it on the first podcast. We said it was riskier to own zero Bitcoin than it is to obviously have a lot of Bitcoin. It's You're doing yourself some serious financial risk if you don't own any Bitcoin. Awesome, brother. Awesome. I think we've 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 uh, hit on lots of different things today. Oh, man. We could we could keep going with this, man. It's been bloody awesome. Just to, if you're listening in, like Luke said earlier, go to the YouTube channel and check out some of these charts. Um, might even get you to we'll add in maybe some links to some of your articles and stuff too, man. Because I think it adds to this. If you're finding um, anything's come up in this, and you've got questions around. Um, yeah, you can you can reach out through the uh, comments or anything in the YouTube or the podcast, but also check out and have a read of the articles that Luke's been writing, and um, it's going to give you more grounded understanding. Um, I think it's I think it's super freaking important that not only if this is the first time you're really tuning into this or the second or third that you keep tuning into this this um, evolution that is Bitcoin, this digital economy, this digital evolution revolution. If you will do that. Oh, what's that chart, man? I yeah, like so, when there's all that. <laughs> yeah. So this is from a recent interview um, I did with TXMC. He actually works at Glassnode, which is the largest on-chain metrics uh, company in the Bitcoin space. Uh, he works there and we, we looked at all the different on-chain metrics that he's following. He's an expert in this arena. I'm just trying to learn from him. Uh, he is, yeah, he's the expert in on-chain. So if you're interested in, in uh, pretty charts and having a look at what Bitcoin's doing under the hood, go and check that one out. That's on um, a podcast that I'm a co-host on. So that's called Bitcoin Made Simple. Um, go and check us out there. We, you know, we release three videos a week. We're always talking about this kind of stuff. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about freedom. Um, I, I literally, Steve isn't joking when he said earlier, we could talk about this for four or five hours. Um, I, I am literally, I talk to Bitcoiners and freedom loving individuals on Twitter for like 12 hours a day 
in these live calls. They're called spaces. You can get together in a room with a hundred of your friends and just sit there and talk all day about Bitcoin. And that's what we do. So if you want to catch me um, on podcasts, you know, Bitcoin Made Simple podcast. If you want to catch me on Twitter, this is my funky looking little profile on Twitter. You can catch I me like there. I like the banner, man. The banner is sick. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the dude who came out last year and said there was an infinite amount of money, Neil Kashkari. That's <laughs> why you can see all the little infinity symbols there. Uh, um, it, he got memes pretty hard. Um, so, so he should. Yeah, he should. <laughs> so yeah, if you want to, if you want to learn more about Bitcoin, come hit me up. I'm answering questions, you know, 12 hours a day over on Twitter. I love it. And I can do it in the, in the background while I'm actually working on my computer. So it's good fun. Epic, epic. And we really have squeezed this uh, episode in. We are chatting and it's just so, so important that we got this out ASAP. I've got a couple more podcasts that have been pre-recorded recently that are coming out over the next two weeks leading into what I don't like calling this Christmas time. I don't want to go into the satanic part of all that, but it's celebration <laughs> time for the end of the year. <laughs> so uh, keep an eye out for um, Dave Berryman, who will be dropping in the next couple of days with, with self-made his brand, really, really strong grounded men's coach, um, leader, facilitator, influencer, uh, and Mr. Andrew Scolari coming up as well, who's, who's been in the networking space um, not just network marketing, everything and beyond in the digital space since 1991. That is a fantastic interview I've got coming up. Um, and there'll be more from Luke too. I think this will probably become a consistent thing. Um, we were going to talk about like mesh networks and all these sorts of things where, but I, oh. I think we can dive into this another time. Um, I have some other amazing guests that I've had on the podcast. Mr. Brian Nassar, if you want to, if you want to perspective, if you want to dive into the dragon energy and, and um, uh, and the Daoism and all that sort of stuff, um, mastery, that is a fantastic one. Luke's and I's earlier one. This Aaron Baldock in one of the original ones, which has been super well received. Even myself going on a, a bit of a, an in-depth, um, it wasn't really in-depth taking you into my past, but the reasons why Wild Man Revolution, why this podcast, why, why my energy into this space and why I really feel that this, this is a revolution at hand if we want to really jump on board and we really want to take part. Um, man, if you've got something else to add or if you don't, let me know because I reckon that's a wrap and this has been absolutely awesome having you on again. I, I know this information, this um, energy that you've given today is going to help a lot of people. Oh, well, Steve, thanks thanks again for having me on. Uh, listeners, you should definitely go and check out the other podcast Steve has done. I get a lot of value from them. I always learn something new. Um, so definitely this is a revolution and it's it's an amazing opportunity to be a part of it. And speaking to other like-minded people in such crazy times in the, in the clown world that we live in. So um, next time I'm on in three or four months time, I've got the chart of Bitcoin up in front of me. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> don't wish that you didn't buy Bitcoin today because I think it's going to be a lot higher in three to four months time. It's 60,000 Australian dollars or whatever it is today i think it's going to be worth at least two or three hundred thousand in three months time mark my words not financial advice but i've just drawn out on the chart what i think it's going to do um it doesn't look too crazy that just looks like bitcoin's going to continue doing bitcoin's thing so uh steve 100 man take a screenshot guys <laughs> yeah hold me to it <laughs> hold me to it guys hold me to it keep me accountable um uh, 
Thanks, brother. Check out Luke. Um, definitely, we'll, I think we'll link in a, lot, a couple of the articles and stuff below. Um, you're going to see more and more big things from Luke. And again, we'll have him on as a guest definitely in the future, especially if Bitcoin keeps doing its thing, which it will. Um, and again, check out the podcast on all major platforms and the YouTube channel if you're more of a visual and definitely for ones like this where we're showing charts and, and other things like that. And Grateful to have you on, mate. Thanks right. a bunch for having me. Have a good day, guys. Uh, anyone listening in, have a good Christmas. Uh, see you all later.